Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hoy Community Church. Glad you're here. If you're able, would you stand with us? We're going to spend some time worshiping through song.
45 says that one generation to another will commend the works of the Lord. And that's what's happening in this room. The generations that are represented from student to the oldest in the room. One generation to another is telling of the goodness of the Lord this morning. That's why we sing. Secular theory is saying now today that if you meditate and you sing, it changes your mind. It changes the mood. And that's what we do in song together. We sing of the greatest news there is, of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's given to us freely. And we remind ourselves of that. And more than just sitting and thinking, but actually verbalizing, it does something. So scientists are finding out what the Lord already knew. Isn't that amazing? Music is the only thing. I'm going to go in a little sermon here. You see my soapbox? Music is the only thing that uh, neuroscientists have found that gets both sides of the brain to speak together at once. So the logical and the rational both come together at once in saying, I know this is true and I feel this is true. And some of you married couples are going, I'm the logical side and I'm the emotional side and God's brought you together to bridge that gap all at once. So what a powerful thing that we get to do to come together more than a show. There's better music, there's better concerts, there's better light shows. If you need a list, come and talk to me. But what we get to do together is collectively, one generation to the other, tell the good works of the Lord. To the older generation, you get to model to the younger generation what it's like to live longer than 40 years and walk with Jesus. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for decades, longer than we've lived or breathed. What a treasure that is to have you in the room this morning. And to the students, all your energy and passion and excitement, as the Lord takes hold of you, you get to remind us of that passion maybe that we once had to rekindle that this morning. And as we sing, it changes our mind, it changes the atmosphere, and it reminds us of the goodness of God. So we're going to do that again. I see you from here. I get a fun vantage point to see the singers and the non-singers in the room. So you're the choir, you've been hired. We're going to sing that again together. And sometimes you may not believe this, but sometimes you have to train your mind. You may not feel it this morning, but you trained your mind to start believing. And that's what verbalizing it does this morning. So we're going to sing that chorus one more time. And I encourage you, with whatever voice you have, you can make a joyful noise. The Lord thinks so, at least. Maybe your neighbor won't, but the Lord thinks <laughs> that is true. So we're going to sing that together, then sings my soul. If you need, you can close your eyes and pretend that there's no one around you, even though there's 200 other people in the room. We're going to sing that together. I encourage you to say it, to train your mind to start thinking about the gospel, to train your mind and your heart to say together, yes, I know and I believe and I feel all at once. Amen? Let's do it. Then sings my soul, my
glad you're here. Would you turn now, greet the community around you, remind them that he's good. Students, head off to follow Ryan and have a great time. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hello? One more, take two. Good morning, how's everybody doing this morning? If you haven't hit the uh, homeless bake, ministry bake sale with all the sweet treats and all the sugar energy, but I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Ian O'Mara, I'm the director of Community Life. And my name is Monica Dislacone. I am a member here at LJCC, and oftentimes you see me up in the praise team. Just a note about Monica and her husband, Craig, who's over there. They are regular volunteers. If you haven't met them yet, introduce yourself to them. I mean, we are better together. We're better together when we're singing to over. We're better together when we're connecting. And Monica and Craig are such a huge blessing. They're here all the time. I don't know how many different instruments they play. I'm still counting. But it is fantastic to say we are using our gift to serve the Lord in this community. And I want to thank you both for that. Not to put you on the spot, but you guys are a huge blessing. Uh, if you have your bulges, go ahead and take those out. It's our Prayer and Connect card. If you flip to the inside cover, you'll see nicely tucked on the inside cover, is our Connection and Prayer card. We're a church that's rooted in prayer, and we're a church that's better together. So we take time to do those prayer requests. I know for me, um, that's something that I look forward to doing every week, is filling out that card, whether it's the physical one or you can go online too. Um, because it's great, great to just be able to get together as a body to lift up those prayer requests. And I've even had people with the prayer team follow up with me and just say, hey, how are things going? So um, we're going to take a few seconds right now to just go ahead and fill that out, whether it's just filling out connect information or filling out a prayer request too. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Uh, later in the service, when the offering is collected, you can go ahead and uh, rip out that Connect card and place it in the basket. If you haven't fill finished filling it out, you can continue doing that throughout the service. The first announcement we have for you is about our upcoming women's tea. Uh, this is an event I truly look forward to each year getting together um, to fellowship with different women. It um, is for any women that are ages five and up, so um, definitely you can bring along the little girls too. And it's taking place March 2 from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. There's going to be um, community time, sharing stories, um, some worship throughout it, and just a great experience. It is uh, $25 per person, and you can um, buy tickets online or also af after the service you can go out and there will be a table and some ladies there to just help answer questions and take care of any needs that you have with that. And for um, the first time, we're also gonna be having a silent auction at the Women's Tea, so make sure to bring along maybe some extra cash or a card, um, and all the proceeds from that are gonna be going to our LJCC Women's Ministry. And with that, we're looking for 20 strong men 
to help do the cleanup afterwards. So come see me or see uh, Pastor Dom after the service. We have two, me and Dom. And we're looking for 18 others to join our team in serving our women. So come see me after the service. It's a fantastic event. Every person that comes out of there is smiling, connecting. It's just, it's just if you're a woman or you know a woman, this is the event for you. Well, save the date, Ash Wednesday here. It is March 6th. It's an evening service from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. It's going to be kicking off the Lent season. Mark your calendars. It's at 6.30. It's on March 6th. It's here at LJCC. Right now we have a special video, so I'd like to direct your attention to the screen. Hi, my name is Dominic Mincio, and I'm the executive pastor of ministries here at LJCC. And I'm Nicole Pearson. I'm a member of the Board of Trustees, and we are here today to talk to you about Community Serve Day. Awesome. Coming up on February 24th. February 24th from 9 to 1. That's right. So we're not going to have a traditional church service here that day, but what we'd love for you to do is be the hands and feet of Jesus with us that day by signing up to participate in one of the seven sites that we have going on. Right, and if some of the seven sites that we're doing don't look interesting to you, you're in luck. There's another 67 projects to choose from that range for every age and stage of life. There's something for everybody. This is not a day to stay in your pajamas and not come to church. It's a day for all of us to go and be the church in our community. Day for all of us to go and be the church. So you can go to ljcc.org for more information, or you can stop by outside and see one of us, and we can get you more information on that. At this point, I'd like to invite our guest speaker, Pastor Greg Ellert, up, who's going to give us the sermon today. Yeah, you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Just kidding. It's always a joy uh, to, to be here with you, to, to bring um, the scriptures to you, and to have an opportunity to preach God's word. Um, LJCC, right? La Jolla Community Church. All right. What is a church? So many things. But the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Klesia uh, means called. Ek means out. So to be the church means that we're called out. Okay, we're called out of the world by God, in Christ the Son, through the Holy Spirit, for the world. So you may have seen this um, bumper sticker that's not of this world. You see it around. I don't disagree with it. My only concern is that when people look at it, they might think, well, to be Christian means I'm not of this world. Therefore, I'm going to live in my own little world and stay in that own little world until I get swept, swept away from this world. And yes, we have hope in heaven. Absolutely, we do. But we are saved not to just be away from the world, but to actually be sent into it as salt and as light, to be his kingdom representatives and to bring his kingdom in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And so LJCC um, has a, a vision to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God by equipping everyday people to walk with Jesus every day. So our hope that it is that in this service, you would see yourself uh, maybe mixing metaphors a little bit like maybe an athlete who's coming to practice, not just to learn the game plan, but to think about how am I being invited? What's my role on this team? What is God, the Father, calling me to in Christ and by the power of the Spirit? So open yourself up to what Jesus wants to do today in you and in this message. Last week, we heard from Rihanna um, in, in this new series that we're in called Connecting with Community, and the key organizing principle that she presented 
um, just repeating what Jesus told his disciples, is that we are to love as Jesus has loved us. And in my own life, I have found when I try to leverage my will to, to make myself love like Jesus loved, it doesn't work out very well. We cannot do it on our own strength. We were never meant to. But that's the kind of life that he calls us into, to love God with everything we are and to love neighbor as self as Jesus has loved us. So we're in this uh, series called Connecting with Community. Today's message is called Contagious Friendship. And on the LJCC website, it reads this. Um, it says, we feel unworthy of love. We feel unwilling to risk. We can feel overwhelmed by the demands of life and unable to invest the time and emotional energy that healthy relationships require. But we yearn for it and need it to thrive as human beings. God made us for authentic community and we feel restless and rootless until we connect. Uh, Monica was just up here and she told me between services that uh, educational theorists are starting to emphasize more and more relationships as being important in the educational process. Indeed, indeed. So let's jump in. Today's goal is the same as every week, that you would rest from the pace and demands and concerns of living in this hurried culture. And friends, we live in a hurried culture. That you would reflect on the meaning of Christian friendship today. And that you would redirect your attention to Christ in relying on his leading and power in taking next steps in your walk with him. That's our goal today. So connecting with community, contagious friendship, what word is in community? Commune, right? Commune. To know and be known. To be together. Not just present in doing, but present to one another in being. Um, maybe the next slide. The word relationship is one that we use over and over and over again. I was just watching a video earlier this week with Eugene Peterson, who passed away last fall. He was asked, Okay, Pastor Peterson, if you could sum up pastoral ministry in one word, what would it be? No pressure. First thing out of his mouth, didn't hesitate. He said relationship. Relationship. Relationship comes from a Latin word, relatus. Re just means repeated over and over. Lattice means to offer. To be in relationship means that we offer ourselves in response to God's initiating love. We respond by offering ourselves back to him who's offered himself completely in Christ to us. To be in relationship means to offer ourselves to God and to others. So today's passage, we're gonna continue in, in John. Um, last week, we were looking at John 13, where Jesus gave the new command that you would love one another as he's loved you. And here, we're gonna go in John 15 and take that a little bit further. John 15, verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, Jesus had spent three years with these specific 12 men there were dozens of others who were also following him, and Jesus in those 12 had three, Peter, James, and John, who were particularly close to him. God somehow in the mystery of, of in the incarnation, the word became flesh. 
but not just in this um, almost docetic type of spiritual otherness that didn't really connect with what it means to be human. God became human in every way, even to the point of submitting himself to friendship, to community, to belonging, to knowing and being known. And we see this towards the end of Jesus's earthly life and ministry, right? Because he was in Gethsemane, and when we was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to his closest three and said, will you come pray to me? To which we can see ourselves because they fell asleep. But Jesus needed his friends in that moment. He called his friends in that moment. Jesus laid down his life for his friends, his disciples and those who would believe because of their testimony. Jesus submitted himself to a dynamic of interdependence with others. Which you'd say, wait a second, he wasn't dependent on anybody. Well, right, as God he was not, but yet in his humility and humanity, remember the disciples regularly would go and have to find food and then Jesus would have to like multiply everything around. But that he would, he would, he was an interdependent relationship with his friends. Now, when we look at the, at the Old and the New Testament, but especially even just the Gospels, the Gospels are not chock full of heroes. Now our culture is, we've got some that you might recognize, whether it be Zorro, or, oh, not Zorro. Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger, thank you, and Zorro. They look alike, don't they? Okay, thank you, all right. And then, of course, Lego Batman. Now, uh, what do they have in common? Well, they have masks. Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, but they go it alone, right? They go it alone. They swoop in, save somebody doing something. They sweep out. They come in, sweep, come out. They do it alone. They don't have a team. They're Lone Rangers. Well, Jesus says, you know, that's how I saved the world. <laughs> and he didn't just swoop in, just come and do something and swoop out. He actually submitted himself into interdependent relationships with a group of men over a period of time and gave his life as a ransom for many, them all the way in through us. And so as followers of Jesus, we are built and we are made for friendship and for connection. We are inherently relational beings because God is an inherently relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a perfect, harmonious give and take dance that God is inviting us into to experience, to know, and to relate to. So, what's the warning? We are culturally conditioned, friends, big time. We don't have time even now to go through all the statistics, right? I, wouldn't have, I don't even know what they are. All I know is that I, who don't really watch much TV or listen to radio, am bombarded by advertising messages every week, week in and week out. I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers in the thousands of messages a week. We are bombarded to the point where we're jaded. And companies are trying to leverage language in any way possible to get to the deepest part of our brainstem, to get our attention, to inform our subconscious that we might buy the products or services that they give. We're constantly under that reality. We're not in a relational milieu that's built on love. We're in a disconnected milieu that's based on fear. And friends, when you live in that long enough, it starts to get into your bones, like a marinade, right? I mean, it just starts to inform us beyond our awareness. We, we, we've, we live in a culture that commodifies people, that gives a dollar value to people. And we relate to people so often in a transactional reality, right? 
Money, actually, the more I think about it, is simply something that compels another person to cooperate in giving a product or service. Money compels cooperation. And we can value others by what they can do for us, or we might be valued by what we can do for others. Actually, we have a piece of paper that actually puts down what our value is, and that's called a resume. You may have heard of that. It can be one of the most dehumanizing summaries of what it means to be human, because certainly there is no single sheet of paper that can summarize your value. Or we have it in our language like HR, human resources. No offense to HR folk, thank you for what you do, it's so, so important, but man, as humans, aren't we so much more than just resources? See, we're valued by our contribution, and we're conditioned as consumers, but we experience ourselves being consumed. That's not the way of the kingdom. I'm not saying there's not a place for business, of course there is, or trade, or any of those things, not at all, but it's easy for that to sink into the core of what we think about what it means to be human. And so we settle for doing and having conversations about doing rather than being and having conversations about being. I think I said this before from up here, but I think it's important enough to repeat, especially if you forgot or weren't here. When I was doing youth ministry, I started to recognize that as seniors would graduate high school, they would get bombarded with the same set of half a dozen questions. Where are you gonna go to college? What are you gonna major in? What do you wanna be when you grow up? All of these really big questions that frankly, when you're a high school senior, is pretty stressful to even engage one at a time. But I found even within the church, within the context of the body of Christ, these students were never being asked questions like, how have you experienced God in high school? What is God teaching you about himself? How do you hope to grow in your faith as you go on to this next phase of life? How can I pray for you as you continue to learn to listen to the voice of God? Do you hear the difference in those questions? And if they're not gonna hear those questions in the church, where are they gonna hear them? The church as a community, we get to be a place, a people who literally reframe kingdom values and identity apart from a commodifying culture. That's one of the gifts we get to give one another as being friends in Christ. So we live in a culture of what I would call practical anonymity. We might know somebody's name, we might know the context of their career, but really at the end of the day, we don't know people apart from what they're doing is. We know things like maybe where they work or where they're from, how many kids they have. Those are contextual questions which aren't bad, but they're only the beginning of the road before we grow um, towards communion with others. What are the spaces in our lives where we can um, admit our fear, where we can admit our uncertainty, where we can admit our failure, where we can uh, admit our confusion or our desires or our longings? I've been a pastor and campus minister long enough to know that what people show on the outside is not always consistent with what's going on on the inside. And I'll get a phone call, a text, or a knock on the door saying, can I talk with you? To which I'm always obliged, and then I'm happy to hear what's going on, but often it's, it's a confession about how my external life is not consistent with my internal life, and I feel completely alone. Instead of this commodification in our culture, Jesus is inviting us into kingdom connectedness. See, in the kingdom, we reject this practical anonymity in a contractual culture of quid pro quo, and we cultivate covenantal connection with each other. I love what Eugene Peterson wrote in Matthew 11 in his version of scripture, or his paraphrase of scripture, called The Message. 
Jesus is resuming talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the father, or no one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Really? Yes. Jesus is inviting us into the music, so to speak, of the dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's, that's our home. There was a little booklet that came out decades ago called My Heart, Christ's Home. It's a great little book about someone coming to faith and inviting Jesus into every compartment of their heart, if you will, right? Every room of the heart and how Jesus comes in and set things straight in each of those. It's a beautiful picture. But I, I would love to write a book called Christ's Heart, Our Home. That's the place where we find our true residence, our true identity, our true purpose, our true belonging, true life. He invites us to experience God's love in community with other believers. There's a book that I pulled off the shelf this week. It's called Sacred Companions by um, a counselor and, and speaker and theologian, David Benner. The subtitle says, The Gift of Spiritual Friendship and Direction. Spiritual Friendship and and direction. These are a few of the things he says in this book. Friends know our being as well as our doing. Friends know our being as well as our doing. Our spiritual walks with Christ are holy ground, and it's meant to be done together. The deep place where our spirit touches the spirit of God becomes shared territory. And that friendship can become a training ground for life with the Trinity. So community, knowing and being known. In my personal experience, I, I would be willing to wager that intimacy may be humanity's greatest fear. Because if you know me, you might reject me. If you know me, you might abandon me. And here's Adam and Eve in the garden in perfect communion with each other and with God. And as soon as sin enters the scene, what do they do? Well, there's the fig leaf thing, right? But they hide. They hide their bodies and they remove themselves from God's immediate presence, so it seems, to the point where God is saying, where are you? Why are you hiding? Who told you that you were naked? So when we're in the body of Christ, we get to start asking each other questions like, how, how are you growing in grace? How have you been experiencing Christ? What is Jesus revealing to you about yourself or about him? How is God meeting you as you put yourself in his presence through spiritual practices? How are you experiencing his goodness? How are you growing in love for him? Or where are you struggling with that? And we get to bear witness to each other about what we're hearing and seeing and growing. Another thing that I noticed in youth ministry, <laughs> I used to think that it was easy for ladies to talk to each other and be vulnerable. That's just easy because, you know, ladies talk to each other and that's just what happens. And guys, well, we struggle with that. You know, we might go out, we might go hunting or do something like that, grunt a few times, but really when it's coming to connect, we're not so good at it. 
And I started to realize that's just not true. I, there was a group of high school girls that walked into the, the youth room this was years ago, and I, I, it hit me. Just all of a sudden, it hit me. Oh, my goodness. Girls look at girls ten times more than they look at boys. They look at their hair, and they look at what they're wearing, and they look at who they're hanging with. They look, I mean, there's so much comparison that's going on. It's brutal. And it's not easy for women always to be vulnerable with each other because there's sometimes inherent competition, right? Of course, evil wants to take us and get us siloed and get us separated from each other. So whether you're male or female here today is, is irrelevant. It's difficult. It's difficult to be real with another. It's difficult to be honest at times. So instead of just talking to you about this, I wanted to give you a little snapshot or a window into a conversation between some people who are growing in grace, who are growing in Christian friendship. Um, one of them happens to be my wife. Um, she could have said no, I suppose, not to marry me, but to coming up here today. Um, I guess she should have said no then too. Um, and her friend, Carrie Paulson, um, I wanna invite them up and have asked them to share a little bit about what they've been experiencing in Christian friendship um, of late. And they're gonna be in a conversation with each other and you'll get a chance to to listen in a little bit in terms of their, their journey most recently. Well, Carrie and I decided last night that we're not gonna look at you, we're gonna look at each other. <laughs> um, so one, one thing that happened with us um, was a time where we got together with a few other women and um, started realizing that um, we had a lot of information, but we were beginning to desire transformation in our own lives and wanting more, wanting more from, from life, but also wanting more from um, what we had to offer one another. And um, so we began to start meeting, and um, the, the really neat thing is it, it came down to um, a, someone just out of the blue mentioned a book um, and it sounded so good that we decided we'd go through it, and it's called The Relational Soul, Moving from False Self to Deep Connection. And um, we began to, to um, go through that, and each week it seemed like it just, it allowed us a little bit more comfortability to step in to um, another, an, another opportunity to be a little more vulnerable. Um, and I would say, um, that it, it was one night, probably about three quarters of the way through the book, that um, we just, something fell. Something was released by the power of the Holy Spirit and allowed us to be more vulnerable than I would say, you know, I, that I've been with most people in my life outside of my husband. And was able to tell you and the other ladies um, areas of my story that have been both a blessing but been, that have been harmful and hurtful, and um, and it was just an most amazing time where my sisters in Christ um, held my story with me, and um, weren't there to tell me what to do or or anything. But it was just to be there, um, and we we were able to share each other's story in a way that was um, was weighty and full of love, vulnerability empathy, um, validation, care. And, a w and it was a start of a beginning of going, wow, this can, be, um, this can be right and true. This is a relationship where I can, um, can grow 
um, from my false self into my true self because I have sisters in Christ that are coming alongside me. And, um, and I remember going to bed that night after that one, that first time of really being vulnerable and talking with my husband and saying, uh, I was on holy ground tonight. Um, and um, it's a holy ground that I can't come away with not being different. And so um, it's just been really neat how we have been, we've been sparring almost back and forth of trying to help one another to know the Lord and to challenge and to love and encourage. And one of the things I really appreciated like just recently was Carrie that you, um, you sent a podcast of something that really um, touched your, your soul that had much impact and said, can you listen to this? And could we talk about this later on for, with a few of the other ladies? And um, it was, I just, it was encouraging to be in a place where I have a sister in Christ who's going, man, God's stirring something up in me, and I want you to come along with me, and I'd love to discuss this with you. And so that's just really, really neat. And so overall, in this relational, spiritual connection um, that we're connected with Christ in meeting together, I, I feel like I'm engaging the world um, in a way where I am um, I'm more of my true self because I am being offered the opportunity in presence of, of friendship to become more of my true, true, true self. And that um, shame and fear and the lies of my past are having less grip because of the truth that is being told to me, the truth that is being held with me, and the truth that is being prayed in and through me. So. your statements and want to also just mutually agree that um, I think we came together at a time when we were mutually eager to grow and be transformed and willing to take the risk um, and discovered a safe place to do that. Um, and I have since um, finishing that book have felt a tug to retreat um, and to learn about retreat and what that means to spend an extended time away with God, and so I brought that up to our group, and um, you challenged me to dive deeper into that, and, to, and you're doing that alongside me, and, um, and that has buoyed me and, and propelled me forward, um, knowing that there's uh, the Holy Spirit working in me and with you and among you, um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, I've noticed that um, in this environment, it's, like you have said, a safe place. We ask each other good questions, and we try and listen. Um, we try to hold back on the desire to fix, um, and we just, we watch, and we care. So, I'm grateful. part of the point of that is connective Christian accompaniment doesn't just happen. We have to be intentional. 
We have to put ourselves out there. Sometimes we have to lead with our weakness. Um, it is amazing that when we're willing to lead with our weakness, how that is such a ministry uh, to the people that we're seeking to build community with. Um, this is a side note, but I've always been astounded at, at the uh, effective nature of programs like AA that create a space for people to be honest about their weakness. It's like a kingdom principle. It's a part of God's common grace. Um, it's, it's a kingdom principle that, that God indwells the weak. Um, it doesn't mean that we're always wearing our heart on our sleeves. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that friendship isn't full of incredible joy, and it doesn't mean you're always talking at a deep level. It just means you're not hiding from each other, right? You're not, you're not cooperating with, we're not cooperating with this, um, this, this milieu of um, pretending. So a few more thoughts on this. Each of us are made in the image of God. Latin term there is imago dei, made in the image of God. I actually think the image of God or imago dei is probably one of the greatest um, ideas that gave rise to Western civilization. Um, the idea that every human being you meet is made in the image of God. Now, is that image cracked? Absolutely. Is it marred? It's certainly. Is it broken? Yes. But is it completely eradicated? No. And, and the kingdom, God, God is constantly restoring his image in people. And when we're in, when we're in community together, he's, we, we're, in this mutual, <laughs> we're, in this, we're in this mutual process of being re-imaged in God. And we get to name that, we get to call that out, we get to encourage that, we get to spur that on and catalyze that with each other. It is an incredible, an incredible process. We're, we're restored in relationship with God because in Jesus, because Jesus is the one who's made that possible. And then we let Jesus restore our relationship with God and we accompany others as God's image is being renewed and restored as well. And then Jesus invites us to be his friend. And then we look at others and say, will you be my friend? And then we look at a group and say, will you come be our friend? Come and see. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In John 17, Jesus prays for the unity of his church. He says, may they see that, may the world see my disciples being one, because when they see that, they'll know that I am your son. Or consider the early church. Uh, the Greek term there is koinonia, fellowship. The early church, Acts 2, met together every day. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They had everything in common and sold their possessions for those who were in need. They had glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying favor with all the people. God added to their number daily those who were being saved. If we're going to love as Christ loves, we have to be in community with each other. We've got to be known and to know one another. A um, couple stories quickly from uh, our family had some time in Central America on sabbatical a few years ago. Um, one quick story on consumer and one on friendship. <laughs> Christmas came by with no Black Friday. Wow. No billboards, no hype, no lights, none of it. It was one of the most delightful Christmases we've ever had. It was so relational. It was so slow, so much slower paced. And not, I mean culturally, people just weren't in a hurry. That was awesome. The other thing that was awesome is that it, through the church, I got to know this guy named John. 
Uh, John is, is in a similar stage of life as, as Tanya and I, as he and his family, kids our kids' age. But John and I connected in spiritual friendship uh, quite quickly. And John was familiar with some contemplative prayer practices and different things. And I don't remember when it was, but at some point over coffee, uh, it came to mind for us that we would like to maybe just meet for centering prayer, which is where you sit silently for 20 or 30 minutes just centering on uh, a particular aspect of who God is. And so we started to practice centering prayer together. We would literally get together in the same space, a private space like where we were staying or they were staying or somewhere where we wouldn't be interrupted and we would sit in silence together for half an hour. And we would not even say goodbye to each other verbally. We would just part at that point. And I, we found that our conversations at other times were seated and informed and um, empowered by those times of silence together with the Lord. How is God inviting you to be a friend in Christ to someone else? What is he inviting you to, to do or to think or to say or how is he asking you to respond today? I would like to close with um, looking at the same scripture we looked at at the beginning of this message um, from Eugene Peterson's version with a little bit earlier and a little bit later than the passage we looked at here from John 15. Just let this wash over you um, and continue to have your heart open to, to Jesus about what it would look like for you to take next steps in connecting with other brothers and sisters in community. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things that I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember, the root command, love one another. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you don't put us as castaways on islands by ourselves to somehow figure out what it means to follow you all by ourselves. We thank you for the body of Christ today. We thank you that you by your spirit got us out of bed to come here today. Um, Jesus, we thank you for what you've done in and through each and every person in this worship space, in this sanctuary this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you will guide us, direct us, empower us, and lead us how to be your people so that the world will know that you indeed were sent by God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. What a great message on what does it mean to be a contagious friend, to be, have contagious friendship. This brings us to the time of tithes and offering as the ushers come forward. If you have those connection cards, you can take those out of your bulletin. You can fold them in half and place them into the offering basket. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, come see me after the, uh, after the service right outside the door, and I have a gift for you. 
uh, just an opportunity to connect. Uh, if you have information, if you want information about community serve day or the women's tea, please stop by some of the tables outside. Well, this is the time where those who call LJCC home, we give back out of the abundance we've been given. It's our opportunity to partner with God for the gospel in this community. We ask ourselves, how can we be the light where we work, live, and play? How can we bring the gospel into every conversation? How can we be the gospel even when we're not using our words? So let's continue our, our time of worship with giving and song. Yeah. 
image-bearing communities in San Diego as our homeless population. Uh, I understand that we have a, a bake sale fundraiser uh, right after the service. Please come and avail yourself of that. And remember, God is restoring his image in you, and he's using one another in the process. Step into it with courage and joy. And as you go, go full of hope. Go full of faith and go filled with his love. Watch the fruit of his spirit grow. Amen.